Like it's soccer news For insight that excels For expert analytics You better go somewhere else Portland Betty Soccer Podcast Enjoy it now Cause it probably won't last Just poop They cover it all They'll discuss everything except football Portland Vanity Soccer Podcast. Welcome. Okay. Welcome to episode 91, season 5, episode 2, if you're counting, of the Portland Vanity Soccer Podcast. My name is Jonathan, and I'm coming to you from Northeast Portland. My name is Josh, and I am coming to you from Westland, Oregon. And this is Greg in Northwest Portland. Today we have one and only one thing on our agenda. Mick G, I hope wherever you're listening, you brought an extra change of pants, because we have a guest <laughs> interview today. <laughs> Woo! Well, we do. I think so. Who are so. We interviewing? Well, who is it? Uh, former Portland Timber and COVID Cup winner, Chris Duvall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Ah. So yeah. real quick, and this is super important. My drink is fucking terrible. Oh, what are you drinking? <laughs> so if you see me make faces, dude, so we got this like uh, boozy advent calendar for Christmas and some of the stuff in there is absolute garbage. So this was like a chocolate flavored whiskey. And I'm like, what do I do with this? And like, I mixed like soda water with it, hoping it would help. It didn't help. Oh, I'm, I'm still going to drink it because I'm a <laughs> functioning alcoholic. But... <laughs> Wait, so oh, you it's decided real bad. to make it taste worse and you're <laughs> oh. still going to drink it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just want to set the tone. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I, <laughs> this is what you signed up for, Chris. I hope you enjoy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, all right. Uh, so, uh, hey, uh, my name is uh, Jonathan Everett here, and uh, we're excited to have an interview here with uh, Mr. Chris Duvall, a former Portland Timbers player. Uh, obviously, we're beyond ecstatic that you're joining us to talk about your time from playing youth soccer in Duluth, Georgia, and all the way to your coaching career uh, here with St. Louis City SC2. Uh, if you don't mind, you uh, would you introduce yourselves? And uh, and the fun first starting question is, do you call it football or soccer? Uh, it depends on who I'm talking to. <laughs> it depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah, if I'm if I'm in the office, we've got a lot of Germans in the office, so I'll call it football so that they don't think I'm the dumb American that doesn't know anything. Um you sound like a man that. of weak convictions to me. <laughs> it's called soccer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't care. I just play it. Uh, call it whatever you want. <laughs> so, yeah. So you switched from being an attacker in your earlier soccer play days. What I think you're a winger. Is that right? Yeah. You, you switched. Yeah. switch from being an attacker to a defender uh did something make you want to make that transition or were you kind of like pushed that way by coaches or how does that happen yeah um i was a winger when i got to college and in my freshman year at at wake i actually led the team in assists and after the season i was like oh yeah i'm 
I'm doing a really good job. And, and my coach brought me in and basically gave me an ultimatum. Was oh. like, you're never going to make it as a winger. So you may have the talent to do it as a fullback, though. So if you want to try that out, then you may have a chance. And I was like, doesn't sound like I have a chance. I mean, he turned out he was right. So, you know, props to him for that. Oh, like follow up in the moment. Yeah, follow-up question to that, like, and this will tie back into some later questions, but what's it like getting a difficult message from a coach in that scenario? Is it is it does it feel demeaning or is it like, oh shit, I have to be better? Like what goes through your mind in that type of setting where they're like, hey, this is the only way you're gonna make it, at least in my eyes? Uh yeah, I mean maybe not the best phrase to use, but my boss now says one to the head is better than two to the chest. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, that's, I actually feel that way. Like I'd rather you just tell me, Oh, I'm not going to have a career as a winger. Okay. Well, that's better than you beating around the bush and me spending the next three years of my college career, trying to make it and struggling for a starting spot and wondering what I'm doing wrong and, and all that. So if I have to learn a new position and that's the only way to make it, then yeah, at least, at least you told me, at least he didn't say you're not having a career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's it yeah. that's it so you you played high school at wesleyan which is uh mm-hmm. that's like a as steven has told me is a private rich kid college uh or not college high school uh uh school, just yeah. north of atlanta how do you go from like do you get recruited from wake forest to go play did you have different options with college like what were you trying to do um you're sorry, just so I understand the question. You're saying that I get recruited to the high school? No, not that you're playing in the high school. Like when you end up going to Wake Forest, is it Wake Forest coming to Wesleyan and scouting you and saying, hey, we want you in the Oh, program? no. No, it was actually my team that I played on with Steven. We, we had some, um, it was our club team that we had tournaments and they gave us a lot of exposure. Um, my high school didn't really do anything with that. It was a great high school and, um, I mean, the main reason I went there was because my area that I grew up in, the school wasn't great. Um, and my parents were trying to keep us out of trouble and all that. So they moved us to a private school, me and my brother. So, um, but yeah, they, you know, Wake came and scouted my team at, at a big tournament. And they were actually, they came to watch one of my teammates. And I guess I had a good game and I ended up getting recruited from that. But um, I was not like, super highly recruited i was going to go to college of charleston and then wake forest kind of came up out of nowhere and at the time they had gone to four straight final four so it was like college of charleston or like how do you say no yeah to right forest? yeah oh that's fun i worked briefly in chapel hill north carolina and when i interviewed down there at this healthcare company the the owner was like are you good blue or bad blue or stupid and I had no idea what he was talking about. And I referred to good blue as UNC, bad blue as Duke, and stupid as Wake Forest. <laughs> that, was his, that was an actual interview question. And I was like, eh, all right, I'm indifferent. But yeah, unfortunately, we're kind of like, we we think we're pretty relevant, but like Duke and UNC care more about each other than, than about us. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, going back to, you know, soccer and, and MLS, uh, when drafted by the Red Bulls, again, I wrote here in my mighty Metro Stars, I was born and raised in New Jersey. And so I've been a fan of MLS and the Metro Stars since the late 90s. But 
when it all went to Red Bulls, it was difficult to have the same passion for my team because it had New Jersey in the name and that's where I was from. And then they changed to New York Red Bulls and it just kind of like, eh, but God, there you're playing with Thierry Henry, who of course I love and hate um, and uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. And that like 2014 roster is like full of stars, like legitimate international superstars, not just someone who's good. Like, what is that like being a rookie and coming into that kind of training camp? Like, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was, in hindsight, a wild experience. Like, I mean, some of the guys that don't even really get a ton of credit that had amazing careers, like Peggy Lee Yandula was in that team, Tim Cahill. Roy Miller, I still think, was one of one of the best fullbacks I played with, and I don't think he really got much of a shout in the league um, as far as, like, accolades are concerned. Um, Dax was there. Eric Alexander, who I think is one of the most underrated players MLS has ever had, maybe. Um, I mean, the team was incredible, and so coming in as a rookie, it was just, like, the hope was to make the roster. And then once I made the roster – for the first maybe month or two, like I was the third right back. So when we do 11 aside stuff, I just stand on the side and not really do anything. And um, I was on a semi-guaranteed contract. So I was like nervous that I was going to get cut just because they didn't need me. And then um, our starter, Richard Eckersley broke his ankle in about April. And that, that gave me my, my chance. I ended up finally hopping into training and then two weeks later I got my first game and then it all kind of took off from there. But um, in no way do I think I was like prepared to step into that team, you know, like I just get thrown into the fire and try not to lose games for the team and then try to develop in in the process. So, um, I mean, Thierry played a really big role in that Johnny Steele, who I'm not sure if people might remember him, but Johnny Steele played a really big role in that. He was a, an Irish um, winger that we had a lot of guys that kind of took me under their wing and like Thierry would Thierry was not nice about the way he would go about like helping you because he had a standard of perfection and we were not like <laughs> he went from receiving crosses from like Perez to receiving crosses from me it's like not the same <laughs> um and so he was not he he was as direct as it gets. And then I would go home and be like, Oh my God, like, (laughs) but then the next day I would say after training for like two hours, hitting crosses and making sure everything's perfect. So that the next time, you know, he would see me hit a cross. It was like acceptable for him. Yeah. You know? So, um, we, we kind of had it out one day. At, well, we didn't have it out. He had it out at me. (laughs) (laughs) From like May, through the end of the year. And I eventually, it became a habit of me for the first maybe five, six years of my career. I would hit crosses by myself until I would see his car leave the parking lot. Um, and then I'll be like, okay, I can go. It was usually like 30, 40 minutes. Did you, did you watch Ted Lasso? Um, no. Okay, I was going to say, there's there's an episode in season two where Coach Beard sees Thierry on uh, – some pundit show and just goes shut up Thierry Henry and I was going to ask if you if you felt that in your soul after hearing that story oh no yeah. I'm so appreciative of Thierry <laughs> like, I can't believe I played with that guy and also like the fact that he would take his own time to make me feel like I should improve myself is is pretty awesome and we actually when he was coaching at Montreal 
um, we had a few conversations about it and he was just like, yeah, like he understood what it takes to be great. And he felt like I needed help to get a little bit of a taste of it. And so if he has to scare me into doing it, then that's the way. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like by the end of my career, I was getting jobs because of my ability to cross a ball. And I don't think I ever would have gotten there if it was if it wasn't for Thierry making me feel like he was going to murder I love that idea of you like staying on the field and hitting crosses and looking out every other <laughs> still there. Just like one tear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Feet are bleeding. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, even after he left, it was like, I mean, I kind of got the hang of it. It was like 60 to 70 crosses a day. And I knew would be about the number that would get me to the point where he was going to leave. And so then after that, it was like, okay, I'll hit like 50, 60 crosses a day, even after he left. So, um, yeah, it's I mean, a good habit. I, I try to teach it to the, the, the guys I train, I coach now. So, you know, it, you know sometimes you, you just, improvement sometimes you just need to like, the little things you pick up from those crazy next level professionals, you know, like taught like God status people, like yeah. what it, like what it does to you is, is amazing. And you don't even realize it. And now you can like pass it on to the next generation. Yeah. I mean, you, you even see it now with like Miami, there were some players that were starting in that team that was in last place. And then Messi comes in and all of a sudden, like these same players look like they all look like DPs. And it's like, there's this feeling you get where like Thierry Henry's I'm passing the ball to Thierry Henry. I better hit the right foot with the right weight. Like it's gotta be perfect. Yeah. Or he's going to think I suck. And I don't want him to think I yeah, suck. You can't you know? pass it to his face or just anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. I yeah. hate you. It happened. No. I mean, it made it yeah. to you. That's your yeah. fault. He's um. not Zlatan. You don't yeah. pass it to his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So wait, uh, I have to ask one follow because you, you mentioned Messi now yourself, and I'm going to hold you accountable right now for an interview you did on the BSI podcast is three years ago and they did the 62nd uh, you must answer round and that was one of the funniest things I've ever listened to for the record um, <laughs> and it was Ronaldo versus Messi and you picked Ronaldo do you want to change your answer like it's my personal <laughs> I, I would never if someone said Messi it's like yeah dude he's he's the best you know but I like Ronaldo personally because in my career, I bounced around so much and saw how hard it was to like succeed in a different city with a different culture and a different team with a different coach and a different system. It's like you start realizing that you can only be your best in certain places. Um, and Ronaldo did it everywhere. And that, that I have a lot of respect for that. He, like, he moves – from you know Portugal to Man U and makes a better product, and then he moves to Real Madrid and gets even better, and then moves to Italy and it's the same product. And it's like that is an unbelievably hard thing. Yeah, to do. So, all right, that's fair. So you're doubling down. I I, I respect. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, doubling I respect down. Doubling down. Yeah. I'll, I'll go down <laughs> with the ship. Um, all right, so uh, this is a, a one Stephen driven question, which is. What was no your way. fastest three run, uh, three mile run in high school? He mentioned to me that you were an excellent aspiring track star. Uh, yeah, well, I I ran because my brother my brother was like a 
an incredible runner, like one of the best runners in the country. He ran in college. And so I ran just because he did it and I wanted to stay fit in the fall. And so um, my best, I think I ran the 5K in 1609 in high school. Oh. And then I, uh, that was my sophomore year, I think. And then something kind of clicked, and I was like, "Why do I do this?" Like, no, I don't like <laughs> yes, <laughs> started focusing on soccer. <laughs> Let's get to the real meat and potatoes of important stuff here, and that is okay. You were a starter on the winning team of the one and only MLS's back tournament, <laughs> COVID Cup. 2020 yeah. <laughs> with your Portland Timbers. Talk to us about playing in the bubble. How freaking weird was that? Uh, it was a different experience for me than for most people. I think like all the guys with wives and kids back home, it was probably really tough, but I was, you know, 28, 29. I, I had a girlfriend, but no wife and kids waiting for me back home. And it was like, you know, it was like camp. I'm hanging out with my friends. We were playing board games. You're having meals. And I was playing on the fields that I played on growing up down at Disney. Like, it was – I thought it was great. And for me, some a player like me, it was pretty awesome because you get all these DPs who don't want to be there, and then you just kick the mess out of them early in the game. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like I want to be here and you don't, so I'm going to win. Like, this is great. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Wasn't it, like, crazy hot, too, and humid? Yeah, it was hot. But, again, I grew up up in the area. Yeah, you can handle that. (laughs) Yeah. Not saying I would prefer it, but it wasn't – didn't play a huge factor for me. Um, Yeah, I loved the bubble, especially – I mean, we got to a point where we were, like, in the quarters and Geo – kind of felt the energy slipping. We had been there for like 40 days and he kind of huddled us up and, and asked us like, why are we here? Like, what's our purpose? Like, what are, what are we winning for? And some of the guys were like my wife, my kids, you know, whatever. And then I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Jeff. Someone chimed in and was like, I mean, if we're going to be here for two months, we might as well win something. Like let's bring home a trophy. If we're going to be here for two months, like we're all like, yeah yeah like you start to drag because you're you're isolated like the more teams that lost the emptier the hotel yeah. got and you just feel like in zombie land and it's you start to kind of lose your motivation and then it's like you know it was pretty cool to bring that back into perspective where it's like no we're here for a trophy like how often do you get to play for a trophy in mls you know it seems and it's a one-of-a-kind like you trophy your too. Whole career <laughs> yeah yeah which we didn't know at yeah. the time we thought it was you know we thought that was MLS Cup for most of it, but then, you know, it didn't really turn out that way. So that, another follow-up question. Uh, during the hard question part of the, the the BSI podcast, that was with, it was Benny Filehiver and Ike Opara. And, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. They asked you, would you rather have three <laughs> times your salary or win the COVID Cup? Um, and you, what you did said I say? you wanted three times your salary. And I wanted <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> That's embarrassing. To the listeners, Chris just like fully got out of frame on the screen. <laughs> so uh, hold on one second. Yeah. 
He's he's got to run off because he's questioning his choices coming yeah. up. This hangs on my wall for the record in my house. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Just as confirmation, I'm not some money grabbing. <laughs> Uh, Chris, Chris just held up a photo of him holding the COVID cup on the day. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was, it was honestly, when I listened to that interview on that podcast, just to do a little bit more research, that was one of the funniest things that I have ever heard again on a podcast interview where it's, you know, players talking to players and those guys started dying laughing. And then they followed up. They followed up. They, they didn't <laughs> believe it either. If you go back and listen, they were like, I cannot believe you just answered that. Um, and they gave you the right to cut it. They're like, we can totally cut this. And you're like, whatever. I said it moving on. Uh, and- if there, if you needed any proof of how delirious that bubble made us, I think that right there is. <laughs> 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 I did not know what was going on. Yeah, uh, that made me wow. uh, for real laugh out loud. <laughs> but so, but you you win it. You win. You win the cup, and it it obviously you know for a crazy year. We were actually in that time doing the podcast. We were still in our infancy, but it was at a time when no one was hanging out with people. Still, like no bars are open. So we were going to a guy we used to who used to be on this podcast, Randy to his backyard and doing the backyard recordings with crazy equipment and extension cords and masks in a backyard. And then of course, by, you know, halfway through the game, our masks would come off because we'd be hammered and we said terrible things uh, that Greg has all the proof that I said that never made it to the air. So we'll never (laughs) run for public office, any of us. Um, But it was for us, like it was as I imagine exciting or uplifting as it was for you guys winning it in that moment, just during a crazy time. And it's um, <clears throat> again, like people make fun of that trophy as being like the, the COVID cup or not very important, but is that harder to win a trophy like that in that type of setting versus like, say when you won the supporter shield with um, the Red Bulls, like how do you compare those two in terms of like mentality, like a regular season versus a compacted schedule? That's so hard. Uh, it's especially hard for me because I feel like that Red Bull team I was on was built like we walked into every game thinking we were going to win. Like that we felt invincible. Um, and so the regular season winning the Supporter Shield wasn't – we loved it. We were excited. We were happy. But it, it almost felt like, yeah, we should, you know. Um and then on the flip side, that Portland team was a – it felt like a tournament team. Like, in a different way, there was not really any doubt. Like, we we walked into a group that we thought was really difficult with Galaxy, LAFC, and Houston. And we were like, man, I you know, not necessarily that we go in knowing that we're going to win every game like I did with Red Bull. But there was never any, like – we didn't fear anybody. There was never any doubt. We conceded goals, and we were just like, "Yeah, it's gonna be fine. We're gonna pull it out. We've got. It. We'll find a way." Um, and so, I don't know. I think, I think winning that winning MLS's back was harder, just because the stakes were higher each game. Whereas winning the supporter shield, I felt like. I mean, we were good all year. It. 
it takes a deep team. It takes literally everyone. Um, but it's just, it's, it's different. If you're, if you've got a good team, then it's always within your grasp and the MLS is back. There were some really good teams that had a bad day and they were done. Was it weird to play with no, um, with no crowd at all? There's no cheer. Mostly like you got to play a few games in Portland. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's a totally different. I mean, for me, it wasn't that crazy. I spent my whole life playing in front of nobody. Like that, it wasn't that <laughs> All these superstars out there were like, you know, maybe had a little less, less motivation or maybe it was weird for them. But for me, I was like, listen, I've only played in front of crowds for like the last six years. Like I've spent the first 20 years of my life playing in front of my parents with a, you know, handheld <laughs> camera. So well, that's good. That's, that we've all, we've all been in punk bands. We know what it's like to play to an empty house. <laughs> exactly. It's like three people who work yeah. the door and like one kid who doesn't uh, just shows up to the show. Like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, yeah. And just a few teenage girls. Room. Yeah. <laughs> the singer's terrible girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait. So, um, so of like all your time in Portland, like what was, your most like memorable experience on field for sure. Winning for sure. Winning the MLS is back like that. I mean, that day holds a, a special place in my heart. Um, yeah. Uh, I, th- I honestly think, you know, that may be my favorite moment of my career. Oh, really? I, I think I can honestly yeah. say that. Yeah. That was, um, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I definitely had a point in my career where I thought that things like that were on their way out for mm-hmm. me. Um, I had had a pretty rough go of things in Houston where I felt like I deserved more. And then um, by the time I got to Portland, I had kind of an understanding of my position where I felt like I could help a team, but for whatever reason, I had fallen out of favor in too many places that I was just like, okay, I'm going to help the team however I can. And I came in and, uh, and Marrero was the starting right back. And I felt like, okay, my role is to support him. And then when he got hurt, then I'm thrust into a position where I felt like I deserved it, but I just never definitely like moments <laughs> like that would happen for me at the end of my career. So, um, yeah, it was, that was, a definitely, a, it's definitely something special in my career. It's, I really value that time there. Uh, and that must have been fun to play on that team again, Marrera. So I honestly, he was one of my favorite uh, right backs that I think we had. Um, he was awesome. Uh, just so fast. Um, and uh, where, was he, was he Boca Juniors or River Plate? I can't remember. I, think um, was, I believe River it was Plate, River Plate. I think. Yeah. And we were so surprised when, when he left, like for whatever, like contractual and like insert crazy random MLS money rule where just invent a new three letter acronym to, to do something to, to make it either difficult for some teams or easier for others. And so when he left, it wasn't because it was bad. It was because, uh, or at least like visually from a fan, it was just, it was a bummer. And then obviously same for you, we've gone through tons of player changes, but when you're in Portland and you're here, I have a two-parter. Where did you live and what was your favorite place to eat and or drink? Oh, two really, really easy questions. Um, I lived on Front Avenue, so in the Pearl. Yep. I was right under a bridge that I can't remember what the bridge was called. 
It was green. You got Steel Bridge, Broadway Bridge, Fremont Bridge. Um, Maybe the Fremont yeah, Bridge. Because the next one over was the Steel okay. Bridge, and then there was a red bridge yeah, after yeah. that, and then the big white bridge after that. Yeah. Um, so I lived on front, right across from. Man, I'm blanking on the name of all these places. I lived right across from the bar where. Uh, I know where you mean. With that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tanya Harding and the yep. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I live right across from there. And then um, my favorite restaurant was Eem. E-E-M. It's like, a, I want to say it's a Korean barbecue spot. It, oh, really? I still, we played against Portland last year, and I made sure to sneak out of the hotel and get some Eem. It's still my I've never even heard of it. I'll be going there. I love Korean barbecue. I'm looking at it now. Wait, that's it is so good. That's in Northeast. Mm-hmm. So that actually is super right close to where yeah, I live on Northeast 25th in Fremont. So uh, not to, uh, okay. super close to, uh, to Eam. And that actually is just North of where Colin lives. Um, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. All right. Yeah, that all right. Place. Cool. That, I did not expect you to, wow. to, to venture into Northeast. Um, but so when you're there and you're enjoying, like, do you hang out with, other players like do you form your clicks and go out for drinks or do you have to be super under the radar because you're a sports player uh in a city and you don't want to get recognized and you just want to enjoy your night like how does that work and who did who was your social crew of the timbers players yeah i hung out with um eric stevenson eric stevenson eric oh Williamson. God, that, yeah <laughs> Eric Stevenson was a teammate of mine in New York in 2014. <laughs> um, Eric Williamson, yeah. Uh, Zach McGraw, Bill Tuloma, Larissa Mabiala, um, Blake Bodley, Marco Farfan. Those were that was kind of my my group. Um, and honestly, I think the only person that may have had an issue with getting recognized was Eric. So. We didn't really have to worry about going to dinner or whatever in public because um, Eric was having a break. Eric had a breakout year, and so he kind of started getting some spotlight. But for the rest of us, we were just normal people at a bar, you know, or a restaurant or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was it was fairly low key. And, and especially during that time, like we were cramming so many games into such a small time to try to make up for all the lost time from COVID that – it's not like we were really out anyways, but the couple of times that we went to grab some food and, um, and stuff that, you know, there was no worry about being recognized for anyone, but I think Eric. Did you have a favorite sandwich place? Oh, good question. I do love a good sandwich. I'm... I, I live real close to Grant's Philly cheesesteaks. I fucking love that place. Okay. I don't think I've ever had mm. that one. I can't think of a sandwich spot. Well, oh well. <laughs> All right. Yeah. One more food-related question. <laughs> we have to move into the pizza train. Uh, oh. If you were going to get pizza in Portland. So, again, I'm born and raised in New Jersey. I take pizza more seriously than my job yep. uh, at work. And there, there is some really bad pizza here, and there is some really good pizza here. And I would love to know if you had a spot. Yeah, after my time in New York, New York style pizza is my favorite kind of pizza. So I would go to a place on Twenty Third that was called something Escape New York. From New York. Like, from New York. Yep. Best yep. pizza in the York. city. So good. I live yeah. two blocks from there now. Okay. 
It's dangerous because I would have I would have had trouble not going to Salt and Straw <laughs> if I lived over there. But... Yeah. Man, that's I am again not a Portland native. My wife is from here, which is how we ended up here. And I've been here now for ten years. And the food and drinking scene here is just it's so impossible to touch because it's just so accessible and still relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of uh whatever. But now I'm gonna go yeah. on a food tangent and I should probably stop. <laughs> Real questions. For your time in MLS, is there somebody who you loved defending against? And on the flip side of that, was there someone you hated defending against? My love-hate is probably the same person. Um, Go on. I... (laughs) I, he actually, he would actually, I'm sure, agree, and he probably knows I feel this way. But I loved and hated playing against Justin Miram. Like, no shit. He had a he had a really big year when he was in Columbus, and he was he was playing as a winger, but he would tuck so far inside he'd put fullbacks in a really really bad spot. And he 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 played the position in a way that no one was doing it at the time in MLS. Um, and so he was making people learn how to problem solve and how to deal with a player like him. And he went off. And so I decided that I would kick him as hard as I could the first time he touched the ball every time. And so I wanted him to run from me and him to be somebody else's problem. And so it was awesome. And I felt like, I felt like he's not the kind of player that likes to be touched. There's some guys in the league that like feel like they're above getting kicked, which is fine by me because I'm going to kick everybody. Yeah. Um, and so I would just – the first time he would get the ball, I'd make sure I put enough pressure on him that he had his back to goal, and I would foul him as hard as I could. <laughs> and I knew that if it was in the first two minutes of the game, no one's going to give me a red card. Yeah. You want to ruin the game over one foul? Like, come on. So – um, there was actually, he was, I mean, he was, he was such a good player and I feel like in a lot of ways he was, um, underappreciated for his intelligence. Um, but I, I, there was one point and this, this was maybe one of the happiest moments off the field I had during my career. I think Timbers told me to post about, I had hit some random stat, like a hundred regular season starts in MLS, something like a lot of factors, and they wanted me to post about some statistic I'd hit. And he commented on it and was like, well, you started 100 games and you kicked me in about 100 different games. <laughs> I was like, that is the best thing ever happened. He's yeah. the one. <laughs> he's, a, he's an Iraqi yeah. international, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah. thought so. He's a he's good, really good player, and I've heard he's a good guy, so you know, no hard feelings towards him at all, but – you, you know, you got to relish the challenge and oh, love yeah. playing against the guys that, that are hard on you. So yeah, that's funny. We were, um, we interviewed Pa Moduka and, um, yeah. this is like years ago at this point that we did that interview, but, uh, someone who knows someone who spoke to Nat Borchers parents said that Nat Borchers would complain against when playing against Ka because he said Ka would totally punch you in the junk 
during set pieces. Um, and uh, like, is that is that real? Does that shit happen? Because with cameras and angles, like I've never seen someone get like kicked in the uh, never mind kicked in the stuff. Um, and uh, is that real? Yeah, I'm. I mean, less now that everything's on camera for sure, but people try to get an edge and. Uh, that's how they feel like they need to do it and yeah I've, I've seen it happen for sure it was so funny when we asked him that question and he was like who told you i did that i'd never do that but you can tell he was being facetious uh yeah uh, uh, Tim. yeah you see a little bit of everything on the field over the years but yeah oh, that's fine i mean uh, um so like you play hard against Justin Maram. Uh, and so like, I, I didn't look at your stats for everything, but did you ever get a red card for a bad tackle? And then if you get a red card for a bad tackle, do you actually feel guilty afterwards or like, how does that go? Like in your, in your head? I think I finished my career with three, maybe three. I, I definitely felt bad about one. Um, because of the way the tackle happened, it was really, it was really bad. Um, but the other ones, I at the time didn't think. <laughs> so you're like, whatever, get up. Yeah, yeah, you, you could feel it. <laughs> yeah, like one of them, I felt a little bit like it was biased because it was against Pirlo. Hmm. In hindsight, it was probably <laughs> in hindsight. <laughs> At least orange, you know. <laughs> I would have argued that to the end of the world at the time. Though. I was like, oh, they always want to protect the superstars, yep. of course. If it was anybody but Pirlo watching it back, it's like, well. Maybe. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely felt bad about one. It was it was a really, really bad tackle. And um, I, like, I immediately felt bad because I thought it was, like, a career ender for sure. And so I, I – reached out to someone I knew on the other team and, and asked for the guy's phone number so I could reach out and see if he was okay. So, oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> I, I never thought you guys like actually – like I, I would assume everyone just – like watching it on TV at least or even live, you think it's like 90% of them are fake. You know, like they're yeah. just going down. But Well, I mean sometimes you're a part of something and you just know you're like that was bad. Yeah. That was really, really bad. And you like – you're in the moment and you're in the game and then something happens that brings you back to like real yeah. life and you're like, oh my God, this is just a game. Like uh, I may have just, you know, changed this guy. Yeah, life. you could tell yeah, when so. you like would actually like walk up to them and be like, are you okay? Or yeah. walk away. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, that's bullshit. Oh shit, this is real. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, like exactly. Matty Cash for Aston Villa two years in a row taking out Spurs players. Uh, last year was against Matt Doherty and it was a really bad mm-hmm. shitty tackle. I think he only still got a yellow. Uh, and then this year was against Rodrigo Bentoncourt, and uh, it was like Bentoncourt's like first game back from long term injury from a bad tackle, and same Matty Cash Villa takes him out, and you're just like, holy shit! Like, like he's got to feel shitty after that. Uh, you can't like, I mean, you don't want to hurt anyone when you're playing. You want to play hard and you know foul anyone to to the end of the game, but uh, not like that. But. Uh, that's always interesting yeah. to me. Like, what do you like? What goes to your head? And that's nice to hear that you do reach out, like Josh said, and um, just check in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I mean, I know I definitely felt felt bad for that one tackle. Thankfully, he was okay. He 
he lifted his feet off the ground right before I got there, which I think saved him. So, um, but yeah, not not something I'm proud of. Uh, all right. So uh, the next question is technically me, but Josh, you should take it. Oh, I can um, pivot. I, I sort of wanted to pivot to more some coaching stuff. Is that cool yeah. with you guys? Or Yeah, let's okay. do it. I don't care. Okay, so Remember. now that you're a coach, do you have any um, – what's your goal as a coach? Do you want to stay in the U.S. or go to Europe or go to a different country or like – yeah, I mean, I'm at a point right now where I'm just setting short-term goals. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is my first job I've ever had outside of playing. So I think my first year was just figuring out. I had an opportunity. I felt like, I mean, I'd be crazy to pass up the opportunity to coach pros. Yeah. And, um, I figured I'd try it. I've enjoyed it. There's so much to learn. When you're a player, you just think the coaches walk up and set down cones. And they don't do a whole lot, but – there's so much more that you have to learn on the other side of things. So I'm in a place right now where the biggest piece for me is to just be in a place where I feel like it's a good learning environment. Right. Um, both for myself and for the players. And then second priority is that I, while I'm learning, I would like to stay in one place um, and try to be able to invest in some sort of project and see it through long-term. Um, I felt like I moved around so much as a player that I I would like to be a part of something for as long as possible. And whether I'm, you know, right now I'm coaching a second team, which is, you know, our age range is 15 to 25. Okay. So I would love to see these kids on and, and like the young ones to help develop them and grow them into top pros. And I would love to push our older players into the first team. And I feel like I can only do that by really investing in them for years rather totally. than like one year. Yeah. On to the next you see so and, many, uh, well, at least I've seen so many like ex players turn coaches that just keep getting bumped up and then they start yeah. failing when really, if they stayed and actually learned the craft more, you know, then they would succeed like so many others. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the conversation I have right now where it's like, if, and it's a big, if my, my end goal is to be an MLS head coach, then it doesn't really matter where I'm coaching right now because I'm that opportunity is not going to come around for 10 years. So I have to be somewhere that I feel like I'm learning the most that I could possibly learn. And if I feel like that's here, then that's where I want to be. So. I wish my boss could hear you say that to to my my team at work. His thing is always about like everyone's like, I want a promotion, I want to get promoted. And he's like, Listen, don't talk about a promotion from one cohort to the next. He's like, Talk about where you want to be in five years, and we'll set you up on a growth path that will get you to that level in five years. And that's exactly yeah. it's exactly what you just said, but in a like in a in a sporting way. And that's um uh, that's awesome. And so speaking to some of your coaching stuff and kind of following up a little bit. Um, like looking at your Instagram, you have your national B coaching license. What level of coaching license? Like, how do you get to the next level? Is it courses and field training? Cause like I also saw the photo of you with Jesse Marsh and Leeds um, in the locker room. And obviously I'm sure you're learning like from that staff over there. Like what is that learning pathway on a formal platform, like education that you have to have to get to another level versus like what is 
what is just, was it fun to go to Leeds or was it, did it check a box on a, on a requirement? Oh no, that was just, I reached out to, I texted Jesse cause he was my coach for a couple of years and we had a really, really good relationship um, and asked him if I could just come shadow him for a while and learn from him. And he was just like, yeah, open nice. door, come on in. Um, and he, I mean, what they were going through at the time was I've never seen like stress like that in my life because they were fighting relegation and it was, it was crazy. <laughs> and he is the kind of person that he just put down everything and allowed me to be there for 10 days. And he gave me full access and I was in all the meetings and maybe not all, there was times where he was like, Hey, can you step out? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But he allowed me to see everything. And the level of intelligence that was in that room and the level of like pressure, it was, it was crazy. And this, I mean, this may have been this, this will go down as maybe the most ridiculous experience of my entire life, but they had just lost to Fulham at home and then they were going to play Liverpool away. And so I got to be there for their whole build up to the game. And then I got to sit like five rows up for the game and in training, I sat through all of their film and all of their analysis and all of the stuff at, with the staff. And then I watched what they presented to the players and they had figured out that if they, not to give away everything, but they figured out that if they pressed in a, a very specific way, they could force Joe Gomez to do, to make specific actions. And they had basically come to the conclusion that around the 20th minute mark, they would force Joe Gomez to make this decision and they would punish him for it. And like I'm sitting and watching the game, and I'm like, they seem so sure, but there's, I mean, there's no way. Like, and like 20 minutes in, they ripped the ball from Joe Gomez back of the net, and I'm just like, what in the world just happened? Like, it was crazy. And they ended up winning the game, which was amazing. It was at Liverpool, um, but I mean, such an amazing experience. Like, first of all, for Jesse to let me in the door and to give me full access like that to see everything and to learn and to kind of see how, what the next level looks like for coaches. Like he was, he was picking me up at my hotel at, you know, 6 AM. And then he would drive me back to the hotel at 8 PM and we'd grab a beer and watch champions league, go to bed, wake up and do it all over again. Like the, the hours were crazy and the level of analysis and intelligence was amazing. The training sessions weren't anything different from what he put me through at, at Red Bull, but the level of quality there was awesome to see. Tyler Adams was there who I, I mean, I was with him in his rookie year when he was like 14 and he would stay at our house, you know, one night a week because it was so much closer than his house. And to see him, honestly, in my opinion, being, he was head and shoulders above everyone in yeah. the team in training and to see that was pretty incredible too. So that was like the American um, team. That was um, Tyler Adams, Aronson, and then they brought in McKenney halfway, like in the winter transfer window for a loan on from yeah. from Juventus. Um, that was uh, again like as an American, it's fun to see other Americans like getting into like that level. And Tyler Adams is one of the most exciting players to see. We, my wife and I, went to the World Cup in Doha and got to see USA versus Wales. And that was just, again, all those same players who are now playing in European leagues and are like, like 
semi, I wouldn't say necessarily stars, but reputable players. Everyone knows their name versus it being some, you know, random person. So it was, I mean, that's super cool that you got to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was really awesome. And, and that was, I mean, that was just for fun, but I feel like I learned so much from 10 days there and it was almost like a crash course on, on what it should look like. Cause the way they did things was at a level of professionalism that I didn't really know existed. Um, it was, it was really cool. Really, really cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and we only had technically one other question, but I was going to ask you one more fun question, which is you can ask sure. us a question each if you'd like to, knowing that Greg uh, works on TIFO for Timber's <laughs> Army. Josh does merchandise <laughs> like the No Pity uh, stuff. And uh, above the Timber's Army and the Rose City Riveters for the Thorns is the 107ist, which is the actual like corporation. And I got uh i'm on the board for that for right now and so we all do a lot of stuff behind the scenes i would say greg has done the most work for the timbers army of the people on this um uh on this podcast at the moment but any fun questions you have for us about like portland and timbers and uh stuff like that interesting favorite timbers jersey Everyone has the same answer on yeah, that. I one. think so. Yeah. Really? Uh, the third kit from Which 2015. One? Yeah. The the one that, the gold collar and it was Oh yeah, that one was awesome. Yeah. That one was awesome. It was, That's that was pretty. I like the Heritage Rose kits. Uh, the Heritage Rose kits? The pink one? The their away kit from the last two years? Yeah. yeah. I like that one I too. Like, I really like I'd them. rather a team yeah. like shoot for the fences and like barely miss than just do something boring and predictable all the time so like is it perfect no but i love how unique it is you can instantly tell what team it is without seeing the badge i think it's gorgeous okay that is the the grandma's couch jersey as we've decided and then yeah the jersey (laughs) so people don't really love that one i I think that's one of my favorites it's number two for me uh as soon as i saw it i immediately uh, and when it went on sale of course purchased it but it was the the one Josh mentioned, the 2015, the the classic uh, gold collar, uh, very classy looking shirt. And then the one from this year was uh, the the plaid one, which we joked was like grandpa's, uh, you know, shirt. So it was grandma's couch and grandpa's shirt. So I, I'm excited to see the, the next one. I like this year's home kit, but the only problem is all the professional kits now, like they don't, they're not made for us fatties, you know, like... <laughs> The, the back is like mesh and it's like breathable. Like we just need cotton. Yeah. <laughs> Something slightly more flattering. Yeah. Would be if, nice. if I wear a normal XL off the shelf in Target, I got to order like a 10 XL in my kit. <laughs> <laughs> this is like That's European. Uh, it's like you go, you go over like we're in Morocco and it's like, I'm like, can I get an XL size Jersey from this? Like, you know, like, stand and it's like oh sir you need a 6x and i'm like i'm not even that big um but uh yeah okay cool so is that your favorite jersey from the timbers which is the yeah the rose one for sure the rose one for sure i love that one um i think that's yeah i think that one takes the cake yeah it's a pretty damn good shirt um uh we will um uh it Obviously, you know that I'm not a complete creep, and uh, because you know that I know Stephen in real life. Um, 
But if you send us uh, your address, uh, I will send you a fun package full of uh, fun Portland Vanity uh, Soccer Podcast stuff that we made. Um, and then, oh, awesome. uh, uh, yeah, that would be uh, that would be fun. Yeah, cool, yeah. for sure. Before we let you go, is there anything you want to plug? You got a charity? You want to talk about anything? I think the only thing I plug now is St. Louis City, but I don't know if I can do that on a full one hundred percent can. By all means, yeah, tell us. Like, I know, like a bit about it. Like, are you loving it there? Like, is it? I'm taking my headphones off for this. I don't want to listen. I'll see you guys. Uh, yeah, no, I love it here. I love it here. And philosophically, the way that they feel like the game should be played is is it it's right up my alley for the the way that I felt like I was at my best as a player, and that I felt like um, the game sh- should be played at this level. I mean, realistically, I was a player who needed a system. And if you ask me to a lot of teams that just have good players and maybe don't necessarily have a system in MLS, it's, it's, it's actually kind of rare for teams to have a, a, an identity. Um, and I didn't do too well in teams like that because I wasn't the kind of player that could improvise for 90 minutes. And I think that's a really, really high level skill. And I think that playing the game at a fast tempo and putting teams under pressure and pressing and, and elevating the speed of play to a level that people aren't used to, it equals the playing field and actually allows players that it allows you to succeed with players that maybe aren't superstars. So if you want to put teams in, if you have a team that you feel like, you know, maybe doesn't have the Valeris and the Blancos of the world, you can press and put them under pressure and turn them over and, and score. And, and you don't have to build all the way from the back and you can, make teams uncomfortable and, and win games by effort and by organization um, and by tactics. And I think that's a, a really relatable way to play and that you can, if you get people to buy in and be part of something that's bigger than themselves, you can do a lot of things that as a group you maybe shouldn't be able to do. I sound like Ange Postacoglu right now and freaking Ange Ball. I love every second of everything you just said. I was like, oh, like keep going. I will stay for hours. Um, uh, I, have, I have one final request uh, before we say goodbye. Can, can, yeah. can we get you to say fuck Seattle? Oh. I, I can't. Oh. I can't. Yeah, All right. No, that's cool. that's this fair. is a daring. Yeah, yeah. As a city or as yeah. a club? What are we talking about? Here? <laughs> I don't know why I ask, because either way, I'm not good. <laughs> we get a little Kenny Powers. Yeah. Seattle could tongue kiss my shithole. Yeah, that's like the funny part is like, because watch it be that in 10 years, it's Seattle uh, that you end up being the MLS coach. Right. Yeah, don't want, or, and then Chris Duval is interviewing, <laughs> and there's somebody over there digs up this episode. Oh my God. <laughs> The internet never sleeps. Nope. You just pulled out a podcast I had from 2020. It's three years ago. Hey, don't don't oh. worry. AI, AI exists. We'll make a deep fake and put it in. Yeah, here yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, there are two more things actually from that uh, that 60 second speed round that I have to ask you to follow up on. Um, oh, yeah. 
One was I, I was I was listening to this and it was uh, again it was hilarious. I was writing everything down uh, things that I wanted to, to <laughs> New York over New York or Portland. They asked you and you said New York. You what said New say? York. Um, uh, and then tea or coffee. What did you say? I'd imagine um, I said tea, but I don't really drink either. You, I don't really you said tea, uh, and I was like, that yeah. is like coming to Portland. It was like coffee city. Uh, and all like the crazy things that you could drink, and I was—I like, don't drink oh, coffee. Tea? Yeah. You don't drink coffee? No, don't drink coffee. No. I'm inching closer because I mean, when I was a player, it's nope. like, what am I going to need to wake up for? I wake up and I start running. So don't do what's it. What's the point? Yeah. But now I'm a coach and I sit in the office for hours. And I'm like, I'm just <laughs> Maybe I need something. <laughs> oh. Sitting through hours of film, like clipping, and it's like, man, I could. Use yeah, but oh man. Um, well, this yeah. is. I still think New York's the greatest city in the world, but I at thirty two, Portland is is more my speed. I would move back to Portland. I don't think I'd. Well, I don't think I'd move back to Manhattan, but I would move back. Yeah, to the problem with Jersey yeah, the sure. problem with New York is it's just way too expensive. You know, it's like New York. Yeah. If you could live there and not have to work and be self funded. Yeah. It'd be, it's the greatest city in the world. Yeah. But, you know, like spending 5000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment that's 400 square feet yeah. and with, everything else. It's no, like your bed is your toilet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you're, you're, paying, you're paying for the location. Like, you don't spend any time in your apartment anyway. Yeah, so. that's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I'm from I'm from Elizabeth, New Jersey originally. And so, okay, I know yeah, Elizabeth, and I remember trying to convince my wife uh, to move there before we were picking, you know, our final place. And she's like, "Well, can we get out and walk around?" And I'm like, "Oh no, not here, uh, not in this section of town." <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was pretty much the nail in the coffin for uh, for New York as yeah. a full time uh, living opportunity. But again, I think we all love it here. We're all transplants. Those two are from L.A. Uh, and, um, uh, it's, this is city is designed for me. So, uh, yeah. this is absolutely where I belong. Yeah. And we'd love to have you back. Oh, Come awesome. get a coaching yeah. job. Portland, Liam Bridgewell. He's, uh, he's in the coaching staff. Start, start texting it. some people and make yourself back to Portland. We're looking for, Hey, you guys are the supporters. You guys are the supporters. You guys have more power than you think. <laughs> Go ahead and make a phone call for me. <laughs> I already threw your name on Reddit today. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking for an assistant yeah i've heard that's the way straight to merit Reddit. that's the one <laughs> we're the oh. farthest thing from merit yeah. Uh, yeah chris thank you so much for joining us uh this was an absolute blast we hope to have you on the pod in the future and uh we're definitely gonna keep track of your coaching career and see what happens we're not gonna root for st louis though but we'll root for you it's never too late to bring you over. But thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Jonathan, what's your yes. final what track are you? What's your closing track? Blah. Uh, my closing track. <laughs> I, I just saw it. <laughs> hey, Josh. Yeah. Wait. We do the closing track before. Where do they reach us? Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like that uh, we keep forgetting, even though it's in watching. order on the agenda, and this is like the yeah. 90th time we're doing it, but... Yeah. Um, okay, today's closing track is my turn, and I've chosen Philly Cheesesteak. That's a good track. It is a good track. <laughs> what inspired you to do that? 
You know, sometimes I just like to see the sights and eat the food. <laughs> Josh, where do they reach us? Okay, everybody. We have a playlist of all the kick-ass songs we play. It's on Spotify. Search Radio Free PVSP. Email us, portlandvanity at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 503-583-4235. Our Instagram is portlandvanity. Twitter is pdxvanitysoccer. We are now available on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, and everywhere else you choose to listen to podcasts. We're still on FarmersOnly.com. It's in PDX. Check out our OnlyFans. Uh, Not yet. No, we got they had that taken away. Jonathan ruined it all. Yep. And with that, we're done. All right. Bye, everybody. Yeah, that's fucking perfect. Uh, Did we want to do any of those roster moves? Or no, dude, moves? this is this is perfect. Like- That's it. All right. Now we do the outro. No, wait. We have to talk a little. No, yeah, we, yeah, I'll say a minute. Like that. Yeah, was... well, we have to say, like, it's starting right now. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't no. I just splice it in? Yeah, just splice it in. Okay, yeah. then splice it in.
you, you can tell story. Jonathan's a super professional podcaster because he said, okay, we can stop recording before letting our guests have a chance to say goodbye. Oh, yeah. shit. No. <laughs> you loser. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> we'll have to record that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. This is okay. weird now. Well, the, are we, yeah, now we're we're thanks for making it weird, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan <laughs> fucked it up. I didn't. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> You go, Greg. Yeah. You take it. No, yay! <laughs> I almost said cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing so good. Yeah. <laughs>